Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast, another Friday free talk. Happy Friday. We've made it to the end of another week. Take a deep breath. Deep breath in. I let that out. No matter what happened this week, whether it was a fantastic week or it was a terrible week, know that it is behind you and you have a new week coming up. And so if it was a fantastic week, let's keep that fantastic energy going. But if you had a not so amazing week, you can shift that around. You've got a chance to turn that completely around and start new this week and sometimes I hear you things are so big sometimes that you can't actually start new but what you can do is start with a new mindset or start with something that is very very small but it's new maybe it's a new step that you're doing that every time you feel overwhelmed you take three deep breaths or in the morning the first thing you do when you when you open your eyes is to remind yourself three things that you're grateful for or, you know, maybe when you start to feel frustrated during the day, you remind yourself, is this anything to be frustrated right now over? Or is this something I should let go? I think there are so many things that we can do in small chunks that will add up to be big differences in our lives. We often discount that. So use this weekend as a reset. Happy Friday. Let's get started. Today's episode, I am sharing about the positive things that I have seen come from coronavirus, and particularly in the birth world. So from the very beginning of this, I actually had this really wild idea that this was going to be good for our birth world, and that we were actually going to learn things, that we were going to see I thought that this was going to highlight things that we could be doing differently and probably better now that we were going through this time of crisis. So instead of looking at this as something to panic about, I I don't want to say I welcomed it because like who welcomes a pandemic, 
But I found myself being like, all right, we're here. We're doing this thing. It is what it is. How are we going to go forward? And in my mind, I was like, okay, I actually think that now we are in this survival mode. We're in this season of getting things done to the best of our abilities with whatever we have at hand at that moment, which is what you do anyway. But the difference in survival mode is that in general, you're doing that with hopes of having the best outcome possible. In survival mode, I think it is we were reaching for any good outcome. And that's the difference is we we really, in the birth world, gosh, we probably didn't go th- about things super correctly. But again, we also weren't taking the time so much to think about long-term effects, emotional impacts, how this was going to play out in the mental health realm, how it impacted breast milk supply. Also, what were the benefits of breast milk? I felt like for a long time there, we were just kind of shooting in the dark when it came to recommendations and the whole gosh, it was just a mess about taking away birth support. What was the right answer there? We were trying to slow transmission and decrease exposure and also was taking the only birth support a laboring person has away. Was that the right answer? And you know, I don't know the right answer. I don't think anybody really knows the right answer, but what I would like to argue and challenge people to do is to look back over the last few months now that we've been doing this for the last couple months what has been working and what didn't work and what have we changed but what is continuously not working and how can we in the future make that better because this time I think we were so concerned and overwhelmed with not not allowing our healthcare system to be flooded to the point of not being able to serve us, right? Which is obviously super important. If our healthcare system is overwhelmed with uh, cases, with, with people being sick and coming in and needing care, right? Then there is no room for any sort of, A, influx for more people to get sick or just people who need regular care. Our whole healthcare system would be flooded and overwhelmed. So that is obviously not good. However, what we didn't do this time is we didn't take into account the patient satisfaction. We totally disregarded what it was like to be the birthing person in this time. And that I think is something that we can learn and how going forward can we make this better so that people that have to continue to birth and have their babies right now, because babies never stop, people aren't gonna stop getting pregnant, nor should they have to, how do we make it better for them? What have we learned over these last few months? And so that today is what I want to share with you, except I wanna share four or five or six. I can't I can't exactly narrow it down. I'm just going to tell you what I have found to be positives that have come from coronavirus. Now, I called this I called it long ago and I said I thought that the coronavirus was really going to highlight positives in the birth world or at least places that that could to, could be changed and tweaked to have a positive impact 
and boy is that true so here we go let's just start number one laboring at home so this is something that doulas have been encouraging people to do for ages midwives encourage it for the most part and then you're like really I just want to call them good. I hesitate to call providers good and bad. They're generally just like they're either your jam or they're not your jam. But in my opinion, your better OBs are going to encourage people to labor at home. But this is not standard. This isn't typical. And this this is definitely not what they teach you down south. However, coronavirus across the nation, we encouraged people to labor at home as long as possible. Well, if it was so important that they came into the hospital before coronavirus, what has changed now that makes it so safe? Um, I think that this is a place where we as a nation just were not following evidence-based practice and coronavirus forced our hand. And so now we see it is totally safe for you to labor at home in the beginning of labor, during early labor, until you get into that rhythmic pattern. And ideally, you really want to get to the hospital around six centimeters if you are hoping to be at the hospital or you're just eager to get there or you're wanting any sort of medical pain relief. But if you're hoping for a, an, uh, an unmedicated labor, you're probably going to want to get to the hospital closer to between eight and nine centimeters so that you can really get there, get checked in, have your body relax a little bit and then have your baby so laboring at home it also highlighted home birth right we saw so many people change to home birth and we saw home birth midwives get totally overwhelmed and you want to talk about overwhelming people in our healthcare system that was a that's a forgotten piece of our healthcare system totally goes unrecognized so many times and this was one of those instances. Uh, and, and midwives really got bombarded with so many inquiries because people began to realize, oh no, I don't think I want this for my birth. I would rather give birth at home. It's time for me to start looking into that option. Um, and so I think people began to learn and educate themselves about home birth and realize that it's actually a very safe option. And for a lot of women, it is what they needed to feel safe enough in order to trust their bodies, especially people who have previous trauma in the hospital. Home birth is definitely an option for you. It's something that we talk about with our clients who come to us with previous hospital trauma is would this be a better option and exploring all of that. You need to know the hard research and the stats so that you can feel comfortable with it but once you see the numbers compared to our hospital system numbers I think you are going to really find a lot of comfort in that so I also think one other thing kind of spawned off from this is how um, prenatal care was totally overdone pre-COVID right um, I think that people have been accustomed to find comfort in meeting with your OB so often. However, if we look at the research, you don't actually need to be seen that much. Now, I believe that it could probably be a choice because you're gonna have OBs that really wanna see patients that much and you can partner those. That means they align with patients that really wanna be seen that much, right? But then you're gonna have OBs that don't necessarily feel like you have, and I, when I say OBs, I, I should mean providers. You're gonna have midwives in both of these as well. So providers that you know don't so much wanna see you all the time or as much as maybe recommended right now 
And I think COVID proved that those providers are just as well as the ones who do do prefer to see you uh, more often throughout your pregnancy. And used to, pre-COVID, the parents who fell into that category, that second category of really feeling like they deserved a hands-off birth and they weren't super concerned and they didn't really want to have that many appointments they knew the ones that were important to them and and they were totally fine with that Um, but otherwise they they didn't feel the need to come in every so often do you know they would be harassed yeah yeah they would literally be harassed people would call them constantly um we had clients that would have fear-based things they would call and fear them like literally tell them scary things that might happen if they didn't come in um scary things generally regarding like their baby and the, the safety and health of their baby you guys that is not okay It's not okay if a doctor does that, if a nurse does that, if a front desk person does that, when they are calling for your appointment, that is not okay. Um, You know, there's a difference in informing you on risk and benefits and then trying to scare you into doing it a certain way. Um, Please do not forget that a large part of consent is you being able to make decisions without influence or manipulation or feeling fear like that is literally part of the definition of informed consensual care it's like it's 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 literally part of the definition for it to be without outside influence um guiding your your decision so just keep all of that in mind but that was the first thing you know laboring at home home birth, prenatal care maybe being too much or not, you know, not having the flexibility for if people didn't want to follow that exact thing. That was the first thing that I kind of noticed. Now, the second thing that I noticed, and I think everybody walked away realizing this, is that advocating for yourself is freaking essential. Like, if you are going to have the birth of your dreams, holy moly, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to. You have to. Because look what happened when women stopped advocating for themselves. They took away every birth support. Women were forced to birth alone. And then look what happened when we stood back up and said, absolutely not. We actually, nope. This is not going to go down like this. We actually are going to demand a little bit better because we're the United States of America and we treat our people better than that. And women deserve birth support. Period. And look what happened. We got it back slowly. Now doulas are being able to come back into hospitals in areas of the nation that they were once, you know, not really allowed in birth spaces. But we learned loud and clear, advocating for yourself is essential. We also learned that fear-based care is totally real and rampant. I think that it showed, you know, when healthcare providers get nervous, their go-to is some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Their go-to might be fear-based care, and it makes me wonder if that's what they learned in medical school. So for me, this is so reflective of a larger issue of how do we get 
information about actual medical autonomy, actual informed consent, actual shared decision making into medical schools and the ones that aren't teaching it, A, we got to evaluate this. Like, how are we going to turn this around? You got to stop teaching what you're teaching because if you are not teaching medical autonomy, informed consent, which includes informed refusal and shared decision making, then you're not actually teaching doctors the full, like you're not teaching them what you are promising to teach them. You can't be a doctor without knowing those things and you've promised to teach these people how to be a doctor. So yes, the doctors have a little bit to blame here. They definitely are responsible for their own education. You have to go out and make sure you are giving unbiased, anti-racist care. But it can't stop there. You got to look a little bit higher in that chain into what is medical school teaching these people. So number two is advocating for yourself is essential. And you know, this is exactly what I teach in the birth lounge is that in order to advocate for yourself, you have to have two foundational pieces. First of all, it is relevant, evidence-based education. You have to know the hard numbers and the science and the data and the research so that you can have these conversations with your doctor. And then you have to be prepared for all the variables. We teach over 173 things that you might come in contact with in labor as a decision throughout your birth experience so that no matter what happens in your labor, A, you are prepared and you're confident to make a decision, and B, your birth plan does not go out the window because we haven't made a birth plan. We have made a birth preference sheet. We have just written down your preferences and you actually know what your end goal is, how to get yourself there, and all of the variations that might take, that your road, your birth might take and how to still get yourself to your ideal labor. Like that's what I teach you in the birth lounge and that I think is, it's so what I learned. Like that is literally, that is just so the theme here is advocating is essential. All right, number three, going home after 24 hours. Now this one is just another place where we used to see people get so much pushback. New moms would ask if they could go home after 24 hours. They felt fine. Maybe this was their second child. They knew what going home was going to be like. And the hospital staff used to give them so much pushback. Or moms who had done their research and, you know, had really toggled between a home birth and a hospital birth. And they really just did not want to spend a lot of time in the hospital. They would ask to go home at 24 hours. And the hospital staff would really just give them a hard time. Yet now it seems to be the norm in Corona. I'm just, I'm a little baffled, but then again, I'm not, I'm also not a little, I'm very excited. I'm really happy that we're finally, just like laboring at home, the hand is being called and people are learning that you can go home after 24 hours of having a baby as long as you had a really straightforward birth, right? And you're feeling okay. Of course, this is a decision you're going to want to make with your doctor. You, you don't want to go against necessarily what your doctor says. Of course, 
AMA, Against Medical Advice, is always an option. You can always check yourself out if you feel like it is appropriate, but just be careful. There are definitely things that can pop up postpartum that require medical attention and medical monitoring, right? You want a medical professional to be close by if something on this this postpartum kind of challenge list would pop up. So just again, that comes down to having evidence-based information, knowing what the signs and symptoms are, knowing what you're looking out for, knowing the risk and the benefits, and having a plan with your doctor, having that preparation. It comes back to education and preparation, and here we are circled back to the birth lounge, all right? I mean, can you, I just, I hope you can see that with education and preparation, you can literally control everything in your birth. And um, I'm just, I'm really glad to see number three is going home after 24 hours. And I hope that it becomes the norm. And I, I hope that instead of uh, being accustomed to staying two or three nights after a birth, people realize that you can go home and start to settle into your home 24 hours after birth as long as it's safe for you to do that. I hope that becomes the norm. Okay, ready for number four? Parenthood is a job. So <laughs> for all of the primary caretakers out there, so the ones of you who are like, no, I've been knowing that parenthood is a job, I hear you. I too have been knowing this, but here's what I think. Partners have not realized this for a very long time. A lot of bosses have not realized this for a really long time. Lawmakers have not realized this for a really long time. So I think everybody or the majority of people working from home now, people have started to realize, wow, parenthood actually is a full-time job. And it's really hard to balance parenthood and an actual full-time job. And I think now more than ever, people have not only come to that realization, but people have gotten super creative at how they are going to tackle both of those. Um, so that was one of the ones that I didn't see coming. And I think partly it's because I'm not a parent yet. Um, so I didn't have to consider what I was gonna do with my children when all of this um, kind of started. And I didn't have to think about how it's gonna balance work and my kids. I, from the very beginning of this, have has, I've gotten to pour a hundred percent of myself into this business and I love that so far um, you know parenthood is no joke it really is not and I think this coronavirus has highlighted not for the first time but probably for the loudest time how our country is not supportive of parenting and having a job and also putting your family first and so um, I hope that is something that is continued to be highlighted, but also I, I hope that people continue to be innovative on how we take this on and we tackle it and we make it better for um, parents everywhere, hopefully. So those are my four, those are my four things, I think. You know, laboring at home and that kind of opened the door for home birth and prenatal care being too much for some folks. 
advocating for yourself and realizing that fear-based care is not only very real, but it is a, it's a safety net for a lot of providers when they get scared and they get worried, they begin to feel the need to control things and so much of it is automatically to bounce back to fear-based care and that makes me wonder what we're teaching doctors in medical school. Um, how can we change that for like a bigger picture than just this one doctor in this one hospital in this one town in this one state, right? Um, also going home after 24 hours. Gosh, how, how many parents have been bullied or berated by hospital staff for even thinking they could, even asking they could, you know, if they could go home after 24 hours. And I'm glad to see that that is, that's what the, the, the typical standard policy is for coronavirus. And I really do hope that it, it sticks around. I hope this becomes our norm and that it tips us off to begin to look into the the really outdated policies in maternity care in our country. I mean, I was just sharing on Instagram, which if you don't follow me on Instagram, you should. It's it's just a party over there. Um, I just I really just kind of spit it out how it is. You can find me on Instagram at Tranquility by Hehe. But I was recently sharing on there that we haven't revisited the policy of um, allowing people to eat and drink during labor since 2009. That is that is 11 years at the time of this recording of this podcast. That's a lot. That's a very long time to not have revisited giving someone food and drink during a very natural event such as birth. So that's kind of what I hope comes of this. My takeaways for you are two things. So first of all, in medicine we really highly regard quality of life, right? So I think it can be argued that during birth, your experience matters, the quality of your experience, and here's why. So your birth is going to stick with you forever. And for someone who does not have a great birth experience and then goes home to experience the deepest and darkest depths literal hells of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, those people are going to tell you absolutely that your birth experience impacts your quality of life. People who are injured by interventions that we have during birth, those people would argue too that your birth experiences impact your quality of life. I think that we have to consider what are these laboring people going to be taking with them, carrying with them after their birth because of something that we did during this really vulnerable time in their life. And unfortunately, with this first wave, we weren't really able to take that into consideration because Remember in the beginning of the episode, I talked about we were really just trying to survive. We were trying to do the best we could with what we had on hand to get the best results possible, but also timely, not being able to be super detail-oriented. Now we've been able to see what worked and what hasn't worked, and I think it's time to put back the experience, the patient experience, when it's safe. 
second thing is that while you don't have total control over everything in birth, but, you know, welcome to nature. What else do you have total control over? We don't have control over anything when nature is involved. But what you do have control over, you have 100% control over. And that's exactly actually what I teach with the control method in the birth lounge. So if you break down control, I've broken it down to choices, options, navigating birth, your team, research, the opinions you're going to encounter, and the location that you have your baby. And you can control 100% of every single one of those so that you can have your dream birth. Coronavirus was a super hard time for so many of us. And it's not even over. We are still seeing spikes all over our country. I don't even think we're close to the end of it. But I don't want you to lose sight of the positive things that have come from it too because I knew in the beginning of this, we could use this to create a better birth world. We've already seen it, it start to happen. People are laboring at home. We're having more home births. People are going home from the hospitals after 24 hours. Laboring people are learning how to advocate for themselves and just how important it is. We're seeing fear-based care be called out and be held accountable. These are really good things. I'm excited to see where our birth world goes after this. I really, really am. If you are interested in learning more about the control method, I want to invite you to join the birth lounge. I teach this every single day. Every week we have a live call. Our Facebook group is always so busy with questions, research. I hop in there multiple times a day throughout the week. It's a really fun place to prepare for your birth. I use research-backed, evidence-based information to help you know all of your choices because sometimes we have to realize that Hospitals and providers, they're not able to share every single choice depending on various factors. Your job is to be an educated consumer. Actually, I just heard someone refer to it as healthy skepticism. I'm not saying that you should distrust your doctor. I am saying you should question the policies of your hospitals just to double check that they are research-based. In the birth lounge, I teach you how to do all of that. Matter of fact, I've already gathered all of that research and that evidence for you to easily pull. We teach you how to have these conversations, how to put together your ideal birth, and how to put that into a preference sheet. I actually don't love a birth plan because you can't plan birth, but I can teach you all of the variations that you might encounter so that no matter what you have happen in your labor, not only are you prepared and confident to navigate it, but your birth plan doesn't go out the window because we haven't made a birth plan. We've made a preference sheet and we also still know how to take what we have now and get you to your ideal labor. I love the birth lounge. I could talk about it all day long. If you want to learn more, go to www.thebirthlounge.com and I would love, love, love to help you have your ideal birth. I know it's possible. 
I think you know it's possible too. Let me show you how to make it possible for you. Thanks so much for spending time with me on this Friday. I hope you have an amazing weekend and I will see you again on Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.